cults, coercion, and sexuality in society. These are the topics for The Frankie Files. I'm Frankie Tease, your host, and I'll continue to focus on my own family story as well as news and recovery info for those who've survived, especially the adult children of cults. New each Tuesday. See FrankieFilesPodcast.com for more. Trigger warning. Some people may find topics discussed in this episode difficult. Please proceed with caution. Hey everybody and welcome to episode 58 of Frankie Files Podcast. I'm Frankie Teens. Today we're going to talk about mandalas, Carl Jung, the occult, and psychology. So psychology pros have long used the occult to dabble in programming the human brain. It's taken me many years to unwind my own programming, which I never realized was triggered every time I sat and drew or painted mandalas. For years after leaving the cult, I stayed obsessed with drawing and painting mandalas. After I gruesomely abruptly snapped out of my programming by refusing to take my life in 2014 in Las Vegas, then it still still, even after that, took multiple years to realize the corrupt roots of my artistic obsession. It really sucks to discover this type of programming goes back to a psycho leader named Sri Donato, who I was a slave of from age 10 to 22. She first introduced Carl Jung to me during conscious sessions and after my servitude in her sex ring had begun. I believe now as a means of control using my subconscious. This gets a bit tricky, but follow me here. So I remember I started breaking things and lost control of my hands and emotions when I was an altar girl at age 14 forward. It was a little scary because I feared my master's wrath when these expensive crystal vases or deities would break while I cleaned multiple altars on the large Long Beach compound. It's still there. At age 14, overt grooming had begun, and I also believe sexual abuse had happened as well, involving Sri Donato and Kamisley X5. There were visits to the lodge in Crestline. There was missing time. That started at age 10 from Escondido's location in California, and incidents with smelling salts. Sri Donato had control because my mom had trusted the church, and we went there every day after school and began being trained, quote marks. Drawing didn't come into play until later when I um, started having issues. There were cracks in my beliefs. I was losing my mom when she was kicked out, and then my sister eventually left too. But actually, drawing had begun... um, at 14 or 16 when I first learned how to draw astrology symbols and then I became someone who would draw charts before they did the readings. Of course, I never was paid for that. I became more withdrawn and mute as the psycho leader continued her reign of terror. Being an occult witch, I now know she was. This master had spoken of automatic writing 
It's also called psychography. The idea of channeling went hand in hand with New Age religion, who are all about connecting with unseen masters, spirits, and evoking wisdom from the dead. Psychic and psychology go hand in hand, and there's no limit to the manipulation of perception. While I'm a spiritual person, they couldn't destroy that for me. I'm no longer a believer in channeling or anyone who claims to speak for spirits, including religious prophets. So in Morningland Church of the Ascended Christ, now called Morningland Community, I specifically remember the leader, Sri Donato, talking about her deceased husband having dabbled with automatic writing. And we'll get to mandalas in a minute, but Here's a description of what automatic writing is, and it's a little bit of its history. It's from occult-world.com. In the 1850s, Judge John Worth Edmonds, an American spiritualist, incited a spate of automatic writing with his alleged messages from Francis Bacon and Emanuel Swedenborg. Curiously, the latter always misspelled his name, Swedenborg. The material produced sounded nothing like the work of either famous man, but it nonetheless inspired others to communicate with more famous deceased persons, including Christ himself. Literary-minded spirits of the dead allegedly communicated entire books and novels and thousands of lines of poetry. Pens were the common tool, but other spiritualist methods included slate writing and the use of typewriters. The budding field of psychology began to experiment with automatic writing in mental illness as a way for the unconscious mind to express thoughts and feelings that could not be verbalized. Automatic writing continues to be used as a therapeutic tool in present times. They say demonologists argue that automatic writing makes one vulnerable to obsession or possession by demons who masquerade as the dead. However, the real danger, if any, most likely comes from the expression of repressed material in the psyche for which an individual may not be prepared. That's from occult-world.com. This is interesting because Sri Donato told us that her her husband, who was deceased, had said that there's a danger of clearing out the mind because we would be open to possession by something else. But I digress. Playing with fire is what I want to call it. For those claiming to be psychic, it seems an excellent ruse. For those who are good actors, as is channeling, you can fabricate anything, like Linda Good, recently of the Profundity Yours cult in Texas. It's a New Age cult. She claims on a YouTube video that she can feel the pain of the crucifixion of Christ. Okay. I'd like to point out something else. This kooky stuff was adopted by psychology. (laughs) Okay. At times, my experience in New Age religion, which was for 12 years, is interchangeable in psychology. They're fully interchangeable. And you guys wonder why I laugh at psychology and don't take it too seriously. It's a grift. The origins of mandalas for me was in the use of Buddhist decor used in Morningland. The secret meeting I had with the master when she said I was now in the circle of trust and then direct reading assignments by my programmer to read Carl Jung on mandalas. So I don't recall which book, but I'm going to use some excerpts here in a minute. 
Carl Jung was obsessed with using mandalas in his work with patients. He also used it in introspection and examining his own mind. He would have those waiting to see him draw on a napkin or thin paper that was folded. Then they were to um, unfold it and it would create a geometric shape with four symmetrical sides repeating because it had bled through the sheet. He then used it to read the patient's subconscious mind. My master was obsessed with saying she could read people's subconscious and sub-subconscious and help with understanding themselves and their past lives. No, she was actually all about invading our subconscious and controlling each of us. It's a racket, and she studied a lot of psychology to get it done. You're listening to The Frankie Files, frankiefilespodcast.com. Let's talk about mandalas and Carl Jung. I went to carl-jung.net. Generally speaking, a mandala is a geometrical form, a square or a circle, abstract and static, or a vivid image formed of objects and or beings. Mandala is a graphical representation of the center, the self. It can appear in dreams and visions, or it can be created spontaneously by drawing. It's present in the cultural and religious representations. Now, an excerpt on that website from Carl Jung's book. He says, in 1938, I had the opportunity in the monastery of Bhutia Busti near Darjeeling of talking with the Lamaic Rinpoche, Lingdam Gumchen by name, about mandalas. He explained it as Migpa, a mental image which can be built up only by a fully instructed lama through the power of imagination. He said that no mandala is like any other. They are all individually different. Also, he said the mandalas to be found in monasteries and temples were of no particular significance because they were only external representations. The true mandala is always an inner image which is gradually built up through active imagination at such times when psychic equilibrium is disturbed or when a thought cannot be found and must be sought for because it is not contained in holy doctrine. And that's from Psychology and Alchemy, 1993, one of Young's books. He continues... It seems to me beyond question that these Eastern symbols originated in dreams and visions and were not invented by some Mahayana church father. He says it's not without importance for us to appreciate the high value set upon the mandala, for it accords very well with the paramount significance of individual mandala symbols, which are characterized by the same qualities of a, so to speak, metaphysical nature. Unless everything deceives us, they signify nothing less than a specific center of the personality not to be identified with the ego. Carl Jung's Individual Process He says, My mandalas were cryptograms concerning the state of the self anew each day. In them I saw the self, that is, my whole being. The self, I thought, was like the monad which I am and which is my world. The mandala represents this monad and corresponds to the microcosmic nature of the psyche. The question arose repeatedly, what is the process leading to? Where is the goal? From my own experience, I knew by now that I could not presume to choose a goal 
which would seem trustworthy to me. It had been proven to me that I had to abandon the idea of superordinate position of the ego. After all, I had been brought up short when I had attempted to maintain it. I was being compelled to go through this process of the unconscious. I had to let myself be carried along with the current without a notion of where it would lead me. When I began drawing the mandalas, however, I saw that everything, all the paths I had been following, all the steps I had taken, were leading back to a single point, namely to the midpoint. It became increasingly plain to me that the mandala is the center. It's the exponent of all paths. It's the path to the center, to individuation. Continuing during those years, between 1918 and 1920, I began to understand that the goal of the psychic development is the self. There is no linear evolution. There's only a circumambulation of the self. From Memories, Dreams, Reflections, 1989, page 196. Young talks about encountering the mandala in 1938 in India. That all mandalas are unique, no two are alike. I definitely remember that from the reading of his works. And a true mandala was of the imagination. An interesting concept that the inner mandala must be sought after during times when the psychic equilibrium is disturbed and isn't centered in the doctrine. My translation, peace of mind is within and so is our inner compass, which we must use to be true to ourselves and our soul's intention. Young called it, the center is the path to individuation. But for me, this was some poisonous neurological programming put in place to mesmerize, hypnotize, and blind me to my master as the center, not to my true self. The term NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, Sorry, geeks, not the AI natural language processing. Scary that they share an acronym, though. From PsychicCentral.com, NLP is a model that helps you influence thoughts, feelings, and behaviors in yourself and others. Abstract influence behaviors in yourself and others. Hmm. Says Elena Mosaner, a master NLP practitioner and founder of Alpha Mind in La Jolla, California. It's both a mental art and practice. NLP is also based in the belief that you can model other people's behaviors and therefore their outcomes. In other words, you can observe someone you admire and then imitate and internalize their behavior to repeat their success. Bandler and Grinder eventually published a series of NLP communication manuals called The Structure of Magic, which gained massive popularity. Some people regard NLP as pseudoscience because there's limited to no empirical evidence demonstrating it works as it's promoted to. In other words, NLP isn't fully scientifically proven and research on its effectiveness is limited. However, there's plenty of anecdotal information from practitioners and coaches pointing to its benefits for many people. My thinking now is the invasion of my psyche was so complete that words were not enough for my master. The master, now deceased, 
since 2003, used symbolism too in the programming. It's interesting this excerpt uses the word magic because my master did too. She said the definition of magic is that nothing is as it appears. <laughs> Sounds like reality challenging to me and a manipulation of our perception. That's of course very true in the occult. I know that now looking back. New Age religion and occult is all about being psychic, being able to read the future and read people's minds, detach from the ego, connect to the unlimited universe from within. Channel. But it's all BS. New Age religion is such a complete grift due to the psychological element. People do want to know about themselves, their past, their past lives, and their future. New Age religions, psychics, promise to connect us to the wisdom of the unseen. I'd like to add unseeable and unknowable. Let's just be honest. But they just have the audacity to say that they see. That's a psychic. And for that matter, a religious prophet too. I do remember I started drawing mandalas after I was introduced to Carl Jung while I was in training with Sri Donato. So I began immediately to internalize this stuff as a good disciple does, but so much more as a teenager. Kids are sponges. I drew mandalas every day. I painted mandalas on t-shirts and there was a seamless continuity. After I was disillusioned and left the cult, I continued drawing mandalas in my own life. I often drew to check my mood, my temperament, leading me to believe now that my master was having me use this as a type of tedious, detailed drawing to control me when she wasn't sure how else to do so. It was a tool and the irony, the part that pisses me off, is I kept it going. It was a type of self-hypnosis she got me to implement when I felt so lost because I was losing. I was losing myself. By the time I was, quote, in training to be a leader, a next generation of Gopi, their female clergy, my mind had been so hollowed out, my feelings so suppressed, possible drugging for sex abuse had happened. It's only a matter of how many times that I needed something to calm my nerves. My nervous system was being extremely disturbed. This would recalibrate me to my master. How very cruel, really. A total invasion. I drew and painted anywhere, anytime, obsessively through my 30s, 40s, and 50s until I suddenly stopped as I began writing my memoir. But that was in 2022, and I left Morningland in 1987. It lasted that long. This stuff is so insidious. There's nothing wrong with all of this beautiful art in the world, nor with the drawings and paintings I created through my life. But the drawing process, the process of their creation, was being used to engage me in self-hypnosis and take me to a place of numbness, complacency, spaced outedness, and silence, checking out. I now believe the mandala programming helped me keep silent about my sexual abuse. 
that it was a subconscious means of control, so lifelong, so built in and insidious, and so covert, that not until I started really facing my past and writing my own thoughts, words, and memories was I able to take back my pen, take back my thoughts, and take back my subconscious mind and truly and decisively evict my former master. Oh, the elite occult doesn't like that. I'm telling you guys, new age religion, the occult, and psychology are connected and designed to control the masses. It's healthy to examine the roots of the industry which was overtly used to hurt so many. The techniques of control and examine its true intent, even if it's uncomfortable. Spread love, everybody, and keep critical thinking. If you would like information on cults in the news, please join my new substack, frankietees.substack.com. I'll be launching the use of a new hashtag, Occupy Cults. Occupy Cults certainly speaks for itself. It's time that we get the word out about the damage these cults do financially, emotionally, psychologically, sexually, generationally. And that's part of what prompted me to begin speaking out. The hashtag Occupy Cults should be placed on anything you want the awareness raised on. I notified the press my list that I use, and I hope that it will help them find stories to raise the awareness and to disseminate this information even more widely than it is now. So check out the hashtag Occupy Cults. Wear it on a t-shirt. Chalk it on the neighborhood. Get the word out. Occupy Cults means just that. Pay attention to what's going on. Those survivors who are trying to speak out need your support. It's extremely difficult for us. So thanks for listening and uh, check out Occupy Cults, the hashtag. This is Siren Warner. You may know me as the Cult Hunter. And you are listening to Frankie Files. The cults are out there.